Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. The wonders of Thanksgiving. Before I move in, let me read Psalm 137. Psalm 137. And verses 1 and 2. This is what the Bible says. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps up upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I don't remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. This psalm is, if you know the, back, the background or the context of this psalm, when they, when they wrote it, Israel had been captivated, had, had been led into captivity, to Babylon, Babylonian captivity. They had been uh, taken out of the, the Zion, the Holy Land, the land that God had promised them. And the reason for it, you can actually read it in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47. So they didn't just get carried away captive because God had some sort of like twisted plan for them. There's a reason why they got carried away captive. And this is it. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47. Because you didn't serve the Lord your God with joy and with gladness, <clears throat> gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and with gladness of heart because of the abundance of everything God gave you, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in everything. In need of everything, he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he's destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the ends of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, a nation who who's of, of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly, elderly, no sure favor to the young, and they shall eat the increase of your livestock, and the produce of your land until you're destroyed, and they shall leave you grain, neither grain nor new wine nor oil, or the increase of your cattle, of the offspring of your flocks, until they've destroyed you. So the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28 that if you don't serve the Lord your God with joyfulness of heart because of everything that He's done for you and He's given to you, if there's a lack of thanksgiving, God warned the Israelites ahead of time that I'm actually going to send a nation against you to take you into captivity until you're utterly destroyed. That's what happened, and that's what they're, they're, they're writing about in Psalm 137. Now they're in Babylonian captivity. They're longing for Zion. They're longing to go back into the land that they were taken away from as they're in a foreign land now, and they start to say, by the rivers of Babylon, in captivity, we sat down and we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung up our harps. So I want you to understand something. It was a lack of praise and thanksgiving that drove them into captivity, and it was a lack of praise and thanksgiving that kept them in captivity. It is a lack of praise and thanksgiving that drove them into a foreign land where they were serving their enemies and no longer had their own freedom and liberty. And it was their lack of thanksgiving for what God had done. You know, they had, they had plenty of things to be thankful for, even in Babylonian thanksgiving, even in Babylonian captivity, because the Bible says that they had a covenant that God had made with Abraham that he would never forget. That he would never forget his tender mercies with, uh, that he had made with Abraham. And yet, the Bible says they hung up their harps. They hung up their praise. They hung up their thanksgiving. They looked at the happenings around them. And that, uh, they allowed that to dictate the level of praise that they had in that land. And as such, because of their lack of praise, they ensured, they guaranteed lack of breakthrough in their life. They guaranteed that they would sit and sorrow in Babylon uh, for the duration uh, that, that they'd be in there. Ingratitude will flatten you in life. It is a lack of praise that ensures that you stay grounded in life. 
Thanksgiving, not having Thanksgiving scheduled in your day is a risk. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 2, let me read this, Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, last book of the Old Testament, and verse 1. Listen to what Malachi, the prophet Malachi says, or how the Italians love to say, the prophet Malachi. The Italian prophet. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 1. And now, O priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear and you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse on you and I'll curse your blessings. Yes, I've cursed them already because you did not take it to heart to give glory unto my name. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces. Refuse is dung, doo-doo crap <laughs> on your face which represents obviously he's not saying physical dung he's saying it represents shame and reproach it's 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 the the embarrassment of what's about to happen to you the refuse of your solemn feast and one will take you away with it then you'll know that i am that i have sent this command to you and that my covenant with levi may continue so the bible says if you'll not hear or take it to heart to do what to give glory unto my name then the lord will send a curse upon you and i'll curse your blessings if you have a lack of gratitude for what god has already blessed you with not only does it not qualify you from entering into a higher level of blessing, but the very blessings you have in your hand begin to rot and corrode. Thanklessness produces a, a decay, a decadence upon everything that you have, everything God gave you. If you don't express genuine thanksgiving for those things, they begin to rot, they begin to fall through your hands, and not only does it not bring increase, it actually causes you to diminish. It causes de decrease. The Bible says if you have the voice of thanksgiving in your, in your mouth, the Lord will take a little one and he will increase them to become a thousand and they shall not diminish. So while thanksgiving brings increase, lack of thanksgiving brings decrease where you start to rot where things start to go sour. You know, Thanksgiving, can, you can say it this way, Thanksgiving is a preservation agent for the blessings of God that He's given to you. Thanksgiving acts, acts as a preservative to the blessing of God in your life. Thanksgiving and praise acts as a preservative for the blessings of God that He's put in your life. Just like you need salt, you know, if you look at your cold cuts and stuff, they don't just last that long because they're special. They put something called sodium nitrite, and then if you have prosciutto, I'm Italian, I'd give analogies based on cold cuts and, and delicatessen. Anyways, you have, um, you, you have prosciutto, the reason why it stays so long and doesn't rot is because of the amount of salt that it has around it. It's laced in salt. Salt preserves meat. In the olden days when they didn't have freezers and they didn't have, you know, refrigeration system, they would put salt on all their meats, overload it because it would preserve the meat from rotting. Thanksgiving is that salt that preserves the meat of God's blessing from rotting in our life. You see it. Judges chapter 15, let me read this, because this is an interesting story, and I was reminded of it today, and it's a very interesting story that shows you exactly what a lack of praise and thanksgiving in your life produces. So just like I said before, thanksgiving will catapult you to another level in life, a new dimension of blessing. You know, you, you study David's Psalms every time, and David's life in general. Every time David gave thanks, it always it always launched him into a place of victory. It always brought him to a higher level. But then you have a guy named Samson in Judges 15. Listen to this. Judges 15 and verse 12. But they said to him, we have come down to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. So Samson said to them, swear to me that you'll not kill me yourself. So they spoke to Samson saying, no, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hands. But we will surely not kill you. 
And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. So when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against Samson. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burnt with fire. And his bonds broke loose from his hands. So I want to stop there. What was the source of Samson's deliverance? What was the source of his power? It wasn't because he was working out that he had supernatural strength and power. It wasn't because of his good genes. His parents were like WWE superstars that he had supernatural strength. There was a source of his supernatural strength and that source was the anointing of God. It was the Holy Ghost. It's a very dangerous thing to take credit for results and victory in your life um, to take the credit of those things and not give the credit to God. You know, David said in the Psalms, I will ascribe unto the Lord the credit or the glory due his name. That's what glory is. When you give glory to God, you're giving God credit for what he's done. You're refusing. That's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him or give credit to him or bring glory to him in everything that you see in your life and he'll continue to direct your paths. The moment you make a decision, let me make this clear to you. A decision to be in ungrateful is a decision to stay grounded and to enter into a life of perpetual failure and frustration. A decision to not be thankful in life for what you have. Because people say, well, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Are you saved? Do you have the blood of Jesus that washed you clean? Then there's absolutely something to be thankful for. You know, people, I, I, I'm very confident of this, that most not most, all people that have a hard time being thankful are people that have a hard time being, uh, reminding themselves of what God's done. People that have a hard time being thankful are people that have like spiritual amnesia. They have spiritual am Alzheimer's. They have a difficult time of calling into memory everything God has done for them in the past. If you are a forgetful person, you'll be an unthankful person. And as such, you'll, you'll live a life where the Bible says God will send a curse on you and curse even your blessings, the Bible says in Malachi ch chapter 2. Unthankful people are forgetful people. Because it's hard for me to complain. Even if something happens, it's hard for me to complain. Because if I've lost anything in life, it's because of God that I haven't lost everything. If something's gone wrong in my life or in your life, it's because of God that not everything has gone wrong. There's always something that you can locate in your life and give thanks for. No matter what the devil has done to you, no matter what your own poor choices and actions have done that you've repented of, but you have to deal with the consequences of them, there's nothing that you have, that you're experiencing right now, whatever tragedy or misery, that blocks you from being thankful for at least one thing. You know, people that are sick, they feel like they have nothing to be thankful for. Why don't you thank God for the organs that are functioning? Why don't you thank God that you have legs that are mobile? Why don't you thank God that you have a bank account that it can, can at least pay for your needs and you have provision in life. People that, you know, they're not married and they're 30, 33 years old, 35 years old and they're growing older and they feel like they're gonna, they just start complaining. Man, I feel like I'm never gonna get married. Why don't you start being thankful that you're even a candidate to be married? That you, you, you have... You know, you have a sense of humor or something. You have, you have something that God's put in you that makes you unique, that makes you desirable. Why don't you be thankful for the word of God that says that no good thing will God withhold from those that walk uprightly and he that finds a spouse finds a good thing and if a spouse is a good thing and God's not going to withhold good things from me, why don't I... Now set my mind to be thankful that God's not withholding my spouse and if God's not withholding my spouse, then... I. I I have nothing to be to, to complain about. I know that my spouse is on his way. You know, when you start to complain about what you're experiencing in your life, what it ends up doing is it, it multiplies what you're complaining about. It increases what you're complaining about. Complaints brings a multiplication of misery. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I believe it's like verse 11 or 13, that neither be as they that complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. When you complain, you release 
more destruction on the thing that you're looking to be broken free from. You complain about your lack of health and lack of strength. What does it do? The seed of complaint brings a harvest of the very thing that you're complaining about. Because remember, remember this. Everything in life is seed time and harvest. And your words are seeds. Jesus said that. The Bible makes it very clear. Your word is a seed. The book of Proverbs says that your word is what snares you and your word is what keeps you captive. So when you release a, a, a seed of complaint from your mouth, you're sowing a seed of complaint and you reap the harvest of the thing that you're complaining about. Neither complain as some of them complain and they were destroyed by the destroyer. You can read in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 11, the Bible says that the people of Israel, they began to be discouraged and they complained against God and they complained against his servant Moses. And what did that do? Did it change the situation? See, all complaining does is gratify your flesh. All it does is steer up your flesh, your carnal nature, your sinful lusts and desires. But understand something. The Bible in the New Testament time and time again says we are to crucify our flesh. We are to destroy, suppress, neutralize their carnal nature in us so your flesh people ask all the time i just want i don't want to be tempted anymore i don't want just pray that the flesh just completely leaves well you got to die because that's the only time the flesh is going to stop talking now you don't have to succumb to the desires of the flesh the bible says you can walk in the spirit but the flesh is always going to be there and as long as we're in this earthly body we have a treasure that's in this earthen vessel and fasting and prayer and 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 spiritual habits reading the word and discipline those things neutralize the desires and the effects of the flesh but the flesh is always going to have a thing to say it's a dog that's always going to be barking and so when you complain you're just acting on the lust of the flesh the desire of the flesh the 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 will of the flesh that's why the bible says part of the fruit of the spirit has nothing to do with complaining matter of fact it's the complete opposite the fruit of the spirit is love it's joy it's peace joy you can't carry genuine joy and and have a a, a spirit of of heaviness and complaint on you you can't the two are polar opposites you can't carry genuine joy and i want to make this clear the only thanksgiving and praise that god accepts and receives is one that is backed by a genuine heart of joy and gratitude not every sacrifice in the old testament did god ref did god accept not every sacrifice was deemed acceptable by god and the bible says that there is a thanksgiving offering that we have to give hebrews chapter 13 talks about the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name so when we give thanks it is, a, it is a, a, a type of spiritual sacrifice that we're offering up to God. And just like Abel's sacrifice was accepted, but Cain's sacrifice was neglected, was not accepted, was rejected, even so... Not every sacrifice of praise does God accept. Some people are just drawing near. That's why Jesus said, these people draw near to me with their mouths, but their heart is so far from me. Their mouths are saying the right things, but from within the heart, Jesus said, are the things that defile a man. From, from within the heart are evil thoughts, fornication, complaints, murder, theft, adulteries. All those things come from within the heart. Remember, you can fool people with your out outward actions but you, God looks at the heart the Bible says man looketh at the outward appearance but the Lord looks exactly at the heart the Lord looks precisely at the heart and the Bible says all creation is naked and open to the eyes of him to whom he must give an account so you can fool your parents you can fool your siblings you can fool your pastor you can fool your 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 elders at your church your deacon board whatever but you cannot fool God and so it's not enough. There's a lot of people on Sunday morning. All they're doing is reading words off a screen. They think they're engaging God in praise. Their heart's not even in it. Their heart's on like the turkey they have to cook this afternoon. Their heart is totally disconnected from the words that are on those screen. There can be the most powerful words. I mean, there's some, I was just listening to a song earlier today that says, what more can he do? What more can he do? He opened up the heavens. He laid the foundation. What more can he do? There's people that can be in the 
same service, singing the same songs. One of them's being healed of stage four cancer and the other one can't even beat the sniffles. The reason being is that the heart, the heart has to be engaged. Jeremiah 30 says, who is he who has engaged his heart to approach unto me? Who is he that has engaged his heart to approach unto me? There's a lot of mindless believers, heartless believers. They just read words off a screen and they think that that's pra- they think praise and worship is like 15 minutes that we waste time with before the pastor comes out and actually gets the work of the ministry done. Let me tell you. You can't even actually successfully receive from the word of God you can't even receive the word, the seed of the word implanted in your hearts until you have softened your heart with praise and worship. So that those aren't preliminaries. They're not like preliminary uh, things that we do before we get to the word. You know how many people I see? It. I, I Sometimes when I'm home, I'll play guitar on Sunday morning for my church. And I see it. people that will wait till like 1115, 1120. Wait till the last song is sung before they walk into the sanctuary because it's like not not important to them. The reason why there's no value for praise and worship on Sunday morning is because most of most of believers that walk in don't even understand the power and the wonders that are produced through Thanksgiving and through praise and worship. Most people just think that it's something we do out of like spiritual habit or discipline. When in fact, thanksgiving is the key that unlocks God's power that when released your way brings divine intervention and supernatural promotion. People think it's just something God, you know, God requires us to do just to waste time. You know, it's not. Everything God commands us to do, there is always something that brings profitability when we obey it, when we obey it. And I want to go through five wonders of thanksgiving, five things that are produced when you give genuine heartfelt thanks unto the Lord. Let me finish Judges 15 first. Judges 15. So the Lord delivers uh, Samson. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. And Samson said, listen to what Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, With the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was when he had finished speaking, he threw the jawbone out from his hand and called that place Ramath Lehi. And he became very thirsty and cried out to the Lord and said, you've given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi and water came out and he drank and his spirit returned and he revived Therefore, he called the place En-Hakor, which which is in Lehi to this day. I wanted to read this because this is the only time in the entire Bible where God works mightily through a person, through an individual. And instead of giving thanks to God for the breakthrough, for the victory, Samson is the only person in the entire Bible that sang a song about himself. I heard someone say it before. He was like the first rapper in the Bible. He just sang about himself, sang about everything he had, sang about his power, sang about his blessing, sang about what what deliverance he brought upon by his own hand. It doesn't say God empowered me to slay a thousand. It says, I have slain a thousand men by the jawbone of a donkey. And the Bible shows you the result of not attributing the rightful credit and acknowledging God for the the breakthrough, the, the result that came upon him as, because of his actions. The Bible says, then he became very thirsty, totally deprived. I told you. He went from someone who was the strongest that killed a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey to then singing a song about himself and whatever strength he had zapped, zapped out of him, totally sapped away, totally emptied out. The hand of God came off of him and he became very thirsty and in his depravity cried out to the Lord for mercy. And it was only then that he realized you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. Then he switched his tune because it it took Samson the emptying of all strength. Remember, Samson had supernatural strength, but all strength that you have today comes from God. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, God commands strength for his people. God commands strength for his people. So people are always saying, well, I don't like my job. I don't feel like, 
you know, just complaining about their job, complaining about their paycheck, complaining they don't have enough money. Instead, why don't you start thanking God for the very fact that you have a brain that is able to think so you can actually be qualified for a job. You have hands that can work to actually do the job. You have feet that are mobile that you can get to your job. You have eyes that see so you can see what you're doing instead of complaining about the lack of this and that. So many people... They, they know how to magnify what's wrong in life and they're, they have like a, a, a dreadful disability in underemphasizing what God has done for their life and as a result, they suffer. They suffer because I'm telling you, a lack of gratitude guarantees, like it did for Samson, the hand of God gets, gets withdrawn from your life. Gar- oh yeah? Y- you want to talk that way? Go out. Why don't you see what you can do by yourself without my help? And we'll see how far that gets you. That's exactly what the Lord does. So David, the secret to David's victory after victory was because he constantly said, I didn't gain possession of the land by my own strength. It wasn't by my own sword. It wasn't by my own my own uh, appearance or my brains are brawn. It was by your favor, the light of your countenance, because you have shown grace to us. That's Psalm 44 and verse 3. David's secret. I mean, you, when he was about to kill Goliath, what did he say? He didn't say, Saul, trust me, I'm strong enough to do it. He said, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the bear is the same God that delivers me from the paw of the lion and is the same God that's going to deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. David's ability, supernatural ability to recall God's past faithfulness gave him present day faith to obtain present day victory in his life. That's why David said in Psalm 34, Oh, magnify what? Not my problems. There's too many Christians. Whenever something happens, instead of the first thing they do, the first plan of action, their plan A being, God, I thank you that whatever's happening right now, you're faithful. You'll always provide a way of escape. I know you're the God that levels every mountain. You make every crooked place straight. You make every rough path smooth. I know you're going ahead of me to get it done. I know that you work all things together for the good of those that love you and are called according. Instead of doing that, the first thing they do is they get on their phone and they got a party land started. They call all their friends. They have them all on, 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 on speed dial and they start complaining. Could you hear what happened here? I can't believe this happened. Did God forget me? Does the Lord? They love to incur people's sympathy, and that's why they stay at that level. That's why they never they never see any breakthrough in life. David did the complete opposite. Oh Lord, oh come and magnify the Lord with me. Not magnify my sin. He didn't say, Oh Goliath, hey Israel, let's just you know, let's just uh Let's just get around Goliath here and we're just going to talk about how big he is, how strong he is, how long his sword is, his javelin. Man, look at that shield that he had. He didn't do that. He said, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his holy name together. When you exalt your pro- your problems, you actually sap your self of strength but when you exalt your God you'll find out very quickly that he'll infuse in you supernatural strength to get the task done and I pray and I prophesy in the mighty name of Jesus Christ as you start to implement the action of thanksgiving the spiritual discipline of thanksgiving that regardless of how you're feeling right now see that's the thing what is a sacrifice a sacrifice is doing something you don't necessarily want to do but you've by your spirit taking control of your mind and your emotions and you're getting it done regardless. That's what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice of praise doesn't mean you praise God when you want to. It's not praising God when you feel like it. If you live like that, you're going to have a hard life. It's praising God even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of the problem. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17 through 19 says, even though the fig tree does not blossom, even though there's no... Uh, figs on the tree even though there's no vine there's no fruit on the vine even though there's no calves in the stall even though it looks like all hell broke loose Habakkuk is saying yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will joy in the God of my salvation for then you'll find now when you flick on the switch of praise God switches on his power and activates his power in you then shall your feet be strong like the Bible says a wild ox and then shall you ride on the high places of the earth so 
When you face something, you you make the decision whether what you're facing causes you to catapult downwards very quickly, whether you allow your situation to totally mess you up, where you allow what the devil came to steal to then kill and then destroy, or by flicking on the switch of praise, you make a decision to go up. You make a decision to rise high. You make a decision to, like the Bible says, a righteous man may fall seven times, but praise says, I'm getting back up again. Praise is a signal to the devil. Whatever you've designed, not only is it not going to work, not only is it not going to get me to back down, I'm going to do the complete opposite of what you wanted me to do. I'm going to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. And I'm going to sing unto the Lord a new song. That's what David said. Bless the Lord. He said, why so downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Why are you feeling discouragement? See, your soul wants to get discouraged. Your flesh wants to get discouraged. But your spirit has to rise up and take command and say, Why so downcast? Ye shall praise God again for the help of his favor. And that's why Psalm 103 was written. Bless the Lord, O my soul. David was talking to himself. Sometimes you got to learn to look in the mirror. And regardless of what you're feeling or seeing, you start to talk to yourself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I refuse to stay quiet. I refuse to stay down. I refuse to be disgruntled. I refuse to be dismayed. I refuse to be discouraged and depressed. I will bless the Lord at all times, for I will not forget any of his benefits. I'm going to remember the right hand of the Most High God. I'm going to remember the years of his faithfulness. I'm going to remember what he's done for me in past times, because that's proof that God is able to do it. He's willing to do it and I know that this present situation is just going to add another another uh, testimony to my belt hallelujah so let me get through it five wonders of praise and thanksgiving and I'm, I'm telling you I'm going to get I'm going to be done by two o'clock number one thanksgiving produces divine health mark chapter 10 mark chapter 10 this came into my spirit I was this came into my spirit while I was reading something the other day. It jumped in me. It got in me. I'll never forget this. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Thanksgiving produces divine health. Listen to this. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude came. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard, listen to this. So blind Bartimaeus heard that it was, pay special attention, Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out. So he heard Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth was his earthly name. That's what people called him that didn't truly see into the destiny that he had. Who he really was. Who his true identity was. They called him Jesus of Nazareth. Listen to this. When blind Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out saying, not Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many warned him to be quiet. Now, a lot of times, I've, I've even preached it this way. They warned him to be quiet because he was being loud or whatever. He wasn't being warned to be quiet because he was being loud and undignified. He was being warned to be quiet because he was attributing the title to Jesus, what was reserved for the Messiah and the Messiah alone. He was praising Jesus as Messiah and it disgruntled the religious crowd and said, hey, don't call him thou. Don't call him that. Shut up and be quiet. What did the man do? He cried out all the more. You see, when people, when listen to this, people will judge your praise when they're not seeing what you see from the word of God. People will call you all kinds of things. You're a fanatic. You're, you're overly, uh, ex, you're, you overexert yourself on Sunday morning when you start to dance like that. When people don't know what you know, they tend to judge your praise. That's why me, Michael, Saul's wife that had married David, when David brought the anointing, the Ark of the Covenant, back to Jerusalem, he began to dance with all his might until his own clothes started to fall off. I mean, he danced. I'm not talking about a little nice North American golf clap praise. I'm talking about he began to move until his very clothes began to fall off. His wife began to get uh, angry at it. 
and confronted him about it, saying, you undignified person, aren't you the king of Israel? And there you are dancing like that? You shouldn't walk like that. You should carry yourself a certain way. What did David say? I'll be even more undignified if it means praising God at a higher voltage. The reason why he praised God at a high voltage praise was because he understood what the Ark of the Covenant meant coming back into Jerusalem, what it meant, and she didn't. She thought it was just some old dilapidated box, religious box that they said God's presence was in. But David understood understood that within that box was the jet the authentic the actual tangible presence of God and if the ark was coming back into Jerusalem it meant blessing was coming back to Jerusalem it meant increase in favor and health and supernatural protection was coming back to Jerusalem when people don't understand that greater is he that lives in us that God didn't stop at anything he didn't just get our sins forgiven so we can make heaven he made a way so that heaven can come and live in us that we are carriers of the Holy Ghost that was in what was in the Ark of the Covenant in those days now dwells in us and so people that don't understand it this is how they praise on Sunday morning When people do understand that, it's impossible to stay quiet. It's impossible to stay to stay timid and dignified. There, there comes a dance. There comes a, a, a something exuding from your spirit. Father, I thank you that you sent the Holy Ghost, your very own nature, not to be around me like in the Old Testament, but to come and dwell in me. And far be it that I should ever stay quiet. You feel like you have nothing to be thankful for today? Why don't you start by being thankful that the presence, not, not a spirit from God, the spirit of God lives in you. And if he lives in you, he, the Bible says in Romans 8, 11, he will quicken your mortal body. And the way you get the spirit to start to quicken your mortal body, what does it mean to quicken? It means to make alive, to resurrect, to minister resurrection life to your body. If you're sick in your body today, the way you activate that quickening power, that resurrection life that's already in you. So you have to understand, by redemption, the Holy Ghost is in you. But the way you activate and quicken that that health generating rejuvenating spirit is by giving God an unprecedented praise where you open up your mouth and do like blind Bartimaeus did son of David have mercy on me what did it do for him the Bible says Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called he got Jesus's attention by his praise they called the blind man and said be of good cheer he's calling you throwing aside his garment Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, I want to receive my sight. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. How did he express his faith? It was by, it was through his thanksgiving. It was through his heartfelt praise that he gave as Jesus was passing by. Everyone saw him as Jesus of Nazareth. He was the only one that said, no, no, there's more to him than that. He's the son of David. And son of David was a praise term that was reserved only for the Messiah. So if by him doing that, that was an expression of his faith. Let me tell you something. Praise is the highest form of faith. It's the highest expression of faith. There is no higher expression of faith than praise because it shows God. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're faced with the burning fiery furnace. And instead of saying, man, oh, we got us this far. Can't believe the Lord really would abandon us like this. Instead of doing that, they, they lifted up their hands and said, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve, he's able to do it and he's going to deliver us. But even if he didn't, we're never going to stop worshiping. We're never going to stop praising. That wasn't them saying, well, you know, if he doesn't do it. They weren't double-minded. Well, we believe God will, but sometimes he says no. They were trying to show Nebuchadnezzar, there's nothing that can stop this praise. We know he's going to help us. He's going to deliver us. They already said that. They established that. They're not double-minded. But then they finished off by saying, even if he didn't, which... They didn't believe he wasn't. They believed he was because it's made evident. But it was just to show Nebuchadnezzar. It was to show it to the devil. Sometimes, you know, the Bible says in no way, Philippians 128, in no way you should be terrified of your adversary, which is to them a sign of destruction, but to you of salvation from God. When you have your hands lifted up in praise and worship, no matter what you're seeing around you, no matter what the devil's trying to throw at you, it is a sign to the devil your attack didn't work, and then it's a sign to God, that one has faith, I'm going to intervene. 
I'm going to intervene. That's what Acts chapter 16 is. Paul and Silas are in the prison cell and they're bound with shackles and chains and it's midnight and they had every reason. If they wanted to, they could have complained against God. They could have said, man, Lord, we've, we've done everything in our power to get the gospel out and this is how we're going to end. This is, what we're going to, this is how the end of our life's going to be. We have honored you with the first fruit of our lives. We've done everything. To, to proclaim this gospel. We've not been ashamed of the gospel. We followed you. And this is where we end up. They could have done that. But instead the Bible says. They began to sing hymns. And sing psalms unto God. And it was so loud. That the prisoners. They were in the inner dungeon. And the prisoners around them heard it. And the Bible says. Because of it. God. God didn't send an angel into that into that prison cell God himself stepped down and entered into that prison cell that jail cell how do we know that because Psalm 114 says that tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord at the presence of the God of Jacob when God's presence hits the earth there's an earthquake when they began to sing psalms and sing praise unto God no matter what they were they were scheduled for execution in the morning if there is anyone that had a reason to just let their hands hang limp and, and get angry and disgruntled. It was them. But they did the complete opposite. Despite how they were feeling. And what happened? God didn't send an angel. God himself stepped in to that prison cell. And not only did their shackles and chains and their prison doors open. Everyone's prison doors open. And everyone's shackles and chains were unloosed and un, unshackled. And there was a great revival that took place in that jail cell. Not only can your praise and worship set you free today, but there's power that you can actually set up an environment in your home and in your family where the shackles of depression and the chains of anxiety on your children, on your relatives, on your spouse get broken as you set up an atmosphere of praise and worship. Just like a fish cannot survive out of water, the devil cannot inhabit and survive an atmosphere of praise and of thanksgiving number one thanksgiving produces divine health psalm 92 says it very clearly it is a good thing to give thanks unto the lord for then shall he exalt our horn our strength like that of a wild ox you feel weak today you, I'm telling you, Smith Wigglesworth used to spend the first 10 minutes of his day praying in the Holy Ghost and dancing before the Lord with all his might. No wonder he had supernatural health, not only in himself, he had an overflow of it where he had one of the largest healing ministries of his day. Praise and thanksgiving pr produces divine health. Number two, thanksgiving produces multiplication. Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Praise and thanksgiving produces, thanks, produces multiplication. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. Verse 6. Then shall the earth yield her increase. God our God will bless us. God will bless us. And all the ends of the earth will fear him. You can sow seeds. Not only financial seeds. I'm talking about for whatever you're believing God for increase in your life, you can sow the seeds, the seeds of your money, the seeds of your time, the seed of your energy, the seeds of your resources. You can sow all the seeds you want. But until you mix your seed with thanksgiving, that seed is just going to die in the ground and stay dead. Just like a seed requires water for it to grow, Whatever you're believing God for requires thanksgiving for that thing to increase and to multiply. Whatever seeds you've sown will require water for it to grow. And praise and thanksgiving is that water that waters the seed for increase. Remember, in, I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Bible says, Paul said that Paul, I, I planted, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So there's three components for growth and increase. There's the seed you plant. There is the water that has to happen, a recurring watering. And then there is God. His part is to bring increase. But God can increase, number one, something you haven't sown. And then number two, God can increase something that's not watered. It doesn't matter how much a farmer prays. If he doesn't plant a seed and then water the seed continuously, God can, God can, you know, want to bless that farmer tremendously. But if there's no water, if there's no rain, if there's drought, it ain't going to grow. So it doesn't, it's not just the seed. You have to, you have to uh, adequately water that seed through your praise and your thanksgiving for it to grow. 
I mean, I heard a preacher say it this way. When you speak, there's actually perspiration that comes out. When you speak, there's, there's some level of moisture to your breath. And so, isn't it interesting that God requires us, the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So that when you're praising God with your breath, it actually acts as like a spiritual watering on the seeds you've sown for it to multiply, grow, and increase. So if you're believing God for financial increase, instead of always saying, I don't have enough, I'm always lacking, I always need, instead of releasing those words that ultimately actually uproot the seeds you've sown, because the words of doubt, and let not that man that doubts expect to receive anything from the Lord, instead start to moisturize and release inundation upon the seeds you sow by the words you speak. I thank you, Father. You know, there's actually no prayer you can pray for, for God to provide for you. You can't say, Father, I need your provision. That, it doesn't work that way. There's no prayer in the Old Testament or the New Testament that says you should pray for God to bless you, to, for God to bless you financially. Financial blessing comes as a result of the seeds you sow and then the faith that you have. Philippians 3, 9, uh, 4.19 says, My God will supply all your needs. It doesn't say you have to pray for God to supply all your needs. It says you have to believe that God was, is going to supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. And the way you express that faith is by giving God thanks. Father, I thank you that all my needs are met. I thank you that if you're my shepherd, your word says, I shall not want. I thank you, Father, that Isaac sowed in the midst of a famine and in the same year, he received a, a hundredfold return that while the Philistines were begging and the Philistines were tr trying to receive a harvest on what they sowed, Isaac, being a child, of, a, a child of Abraham, and the Bible says, we brethren as Isaac are children of the same blessing and the same promise, I know that as I've sown, I fully believe that you're able to return to me a hundredfold harvest, no matter what the world's going through on an economic level. Thanksgiving produces multiplica multiplication. A lack of thanksgiving will cause whatever you have to dry up. A lack of praise ensures that the impossible that you're seeing remains impossible. A, refu a refusal to be thankful guarantees you never change levels. The blessing of God that Proverbs 10.22 says maketh a man rich is activated by thanksgiving. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 19. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 19 then out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of those who make merry, and I will multiply them. Listen to what happens. Out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of those who make merry. Then it tells you what that'll do, what it'll produce. And I will multiply them and they will not diminish. I will glorify them and they will never be small. That's why the Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. People that despise the day of small beginnings are always complaining about the small beginning. Complaining about how they don't have enough. Complaining about what's against them. Instead of complaining about what's against you today, why don't you start acknowledging and thanking God that He's for you today. And if He be for you, who can be against you? Instead of, you know, sorrowing about all the things working against you, why don't you do like the children of Israel did in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and be reminded that no matter what's against you, the very fact that God's for you and His hand is for you, then who can turn you back? The Bible says, Do not be dismayed because of the great multitude that is against you, for with them is the arm of flesh. People can be working again. Let, let me get, make this very, very clear for you today. If everybody in the world is for you, but God is against you, you are a dead man. But if everybody in the world and every witch and warlock was against you, but God is for you, you are on the winning side. That's why the Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. That's why the Bible says what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never entered the heart of man. Those are the things that God has prepared for those that love Him because when you love God, Jesus said, I will love you and I will manifest, I will display and demonstrate my power to them. So instead of... Complaining about how this person's again. Who cares? Who cares? There's this victim mentality in today's generation. This is why you're not successful. 
It's the color of your skin. This is why you're not successful. It's, it's the, the system. It's the system. I don't belong to the world system. I've got another system, heaven's system. And that, is, that system, Joshua 1.8 says, if I'll meditate on it day and night and I'll observe to do everything God's commanded me to do, then you will be prosperous and you'll have good success. Number two, Thanksgiving produces multiplication. It's two o'clock. Number three, Thanksgiving is a magnet for the presence of God. Psalm 22, three. Thou, Lord, are enthroned upon the praises of your people. When you praise God, it is a magnet for his presence. And in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there is pleasures forevermore. In the presence of God is everything you need. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you. And the Bible says... Instead of the spirit of heaviness, you'll have the garment of praise. So when you choose to put on the garment of praise, you are making a decision to take off the spirit of heaviness. If you have depression in your life today, there's no amount, there's no level of depression that cannot be destroyed by, giving, by putting on the garment of praise today. When you put on the garment of praise, it is a decision to remove the spirit of heaviness off your life. In His presence is fullness of joy. You can't carry God's presence and fullness of depression at the same time. They're directly opposite to one another. Directly opposite. Praise issues out an invitation God will never turn down. Anything that will require God in your life will require praise to bring Him into that situation. So praise and thanksgiving is a magnet for God's presence and when God's presence shows up we know we know what happens you read the entire look at the gospels when Jesus showed up to a certain town what happened healing happened deliverance happened supernatural uh, increase and provision happened everything you need is in the presence of God and the way you bring that presence I'm not saying God's presence he's, his spirit lives in you but the tangible manifest presence of God is ushered in by praise Number four, thanksgiving is the transaction that must take place in order to hand your battle off to God. Second Chronicles 20, the Bible says there were three armies that came against Judah. They were backed into a corner, no way out. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, who prophesied, tomorrow go up at the ascent of Ziz. And I want you to position yourselves, for the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. The way they transferred the ownership of the battle into God's hands. Because if you try to sort out the battle yourself, you're on your own, baby. But if you learn by praise to transfer responsibility over the battle into God's hands, then what ends up happening is God assumes responsibility over that battle and God never loses a battle. God has a perfect track record. The Bible says the position they needed to have to transfer responsibility of the battle over to God was the position of praise. They said tomorrow, they, the Bible says they, they put the sons of Asaph, they put the praise and worship team ahead of the armies. Before the spearmen, before the horsemen, before the swordsmen, they had the praise and worship team go ahead of them. And the Bible says as they began to sing and to praise the Lord with voices loud and high. So thanksgiving can't be done uh, in a silent manner. You, you can like meditate silently. You can even worship silently. Just meditate on God's goodness and, and be grateful for all He's done. But you can, it's impossible to praise God silently. The Bible says they praise God with voices loud and high. Psalm 150 says praise Him. Praise Him with everything that is in you. With all that, let all that has breath praise the Lord. And then it says praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with instruments of 12 strings. Praise Him with clanging cymbals. Praise Him. Praise Him for what He's done. Praise Him for who He is. So it's impossible to praise God silently. Well, I, just, I have a different way I praise God. There's no different way to praise God. There's only one Bible blueprint on praising God. And when they did that, the Lord set ambush against their enemies. And they confused one another. And the Bible says they destroyed one another. Israel never even, Judah had it, never had to even lift up a sword. They didn't have to lift a hand in battle. God took care of their problem. I tell you in the name of Jesus, as you engage God today with thanksgiving and praise, ownership of the battle is being transferred supernaturally into God's hands. And God is going to rise up. And when he rises, Psalm says that all, Psalm 94.1, let God arise and all his enemies be scattered. Psalm 68, 1. Let God arise and all his enemies be scattered. As you give God high voltage praise, a something that actually moves your body. If you're 
praise doesn't move you, it ain't going to move God. But as you do that today, I, I prophesy the battle is not yours. It's the Lord. And as the Lord assumes responsibility over that battle, the Egyptians that you see today, the enemies that you see today, you will see no more. For the dreaded champion called Jehovah stands up. And when he stands up, every opposition bows out. In Jesus' name, you are entering in. As you develop a lifestyle of praise, you're entering into a lifestyle of all-around rest from today. Number five, Thanksgiving reverses the irreversible situations of life. And that's how I end. How to turn around every irreversible situation in your life. I titled today's broadcast, The Wonders of Thanksgiving and How to Turn Any Situation Around. This is how you do it. Jesus gets to the tomb of Lazarus. He's dead four days. What's the very first thing Jesus does? Father, I thank you that you hear me. He gave God thanks. And in giving God thanks, he then spoke Lazarus' name to come forth. And when, when he did, Lazarus came forth bound. And they loosed him and let him go. That's an irreversible situation. He wasn't just dead, like three hours dead, four days dead. His blood turned to black. His whole system had fully shut down. That was an impossible situation, but made possible through thanksgiving. Jesus showed us a secret before he called Lazarus' name forth. Before you start to call those things which be not as though they are, start by giving God heartfelt, genuine thanks from your heart that lets him know not only do I believe you're the God of the impossible, but that you're still doing the impossible today. Romans chapter 4. Abraham was 100 years old. Uh, Sarah was, 99, uh, was 90 years old. And the Bible says that Abraham in Romans 4 grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Faith, Hebrews 11, 11 says, by faith Sarah received strength to conceive seed. So faith was what produced the miracle for Sarah. A barren woman began to produce fruit. That faith uh, was expressed in Romans 4. We see how that faith was expressed. Romans 4 says, he grew strong in faith. How? Giving glory to God. He never stopped thanking God. Father, I thank you that I'm a, just like what you named me. I will be a father of a multitude of nations. I thank you that I am Abraham. I am a father of a multitude of nations. I thank you that you still open up the wombs of those that are barren. I thank you that you're the God who makes a barren woman a joyful mother of children. And I believe uh, there's some people watching me right now that you're believing God for children. You're believing God for the opening of your womb. You're believing God for fruitfulness on that level. Not your business, not your finance, fruitfulness in your family. And your, your womb's been closed up in the name of Jesus. As you give God thanks today, like what the Bible says, he makes, us a, he makes the, the barren woman a joyful mother of children. Instead of looking to men, instead of looking to uh, you know, those treatments that you've been getting, instead of looking to the hand of man, and then every time you think of it, you just complain, Father, why are they? They have four children and I have none. Instead of doing that, start to engage. Remember, the only person that was barren and remained barren in the entirety of scriptures is Michael, David's wife, who, who complained about his praise, that he was undignified. The Bible says, and she never bore children. The way to quicken your womb to produce supernatural fruitfulness is no matter how you're feeling, no matter what, praise God, thank God. That he's the one that makes us solitary in the family. That he's the one that said, there shall be none barren nor miscarriages in all your tribe. Exodus 23, 26. The Bible says, he will not have any of you to be barren, nor shall there be any miscarriage. And the number of your days he will fulfill. Deuteronomy 7, 17 says, thou shall be blessed above all peoples, and there shall be none barren, not only amongst you, but amongst your cattle. If, God's not, if God was concerned under the old covenant about the cattle of the Israelites not being barren, how much more do you suppose he's concerned about you? Or he cares about you? And he wants, you know, the very first command of scripture is be fruitful and multiply. Have children, subdue the earth, replenish the earth. That's the, if that's a command God gave us, then obviously He's given us grace to fulfill it. If you've been desiring children right now, as you give thanks to God, I want you to take time today to take 15 minutes just to thank God. You know, before you gather around the turkey, before you start to carve the turkey and, or, and plan for Black Friday and all the deals you're going to save and go nuts on, 
trampling other people to save $30 on a TV. Take 15 minutes today to thank God for everything that He's done for you. Until you thank God for the present menu you have before you, you're not a candidate to receive a change of menu to a higher menu. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.